Hello, and welcome everybody back to Eyes and the Mize, back at our regular time. My name is John, and Ian is still in the middle of a field doing training somewhere, so we're joined this week by Vorthos extraordinary, Carrie. Hello, and happy to be on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, I didn't even name this episode. Well, it's going to be Ether Revolt Breakdown with Carrie, and this is episode 55, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so, uh, before we get... S- Straight into the nitty-gritty, we have a few things we want to talk about with our eyes on the community. First up, Motor Masters 2017 comes out on Friday, and everybody's pretty excited about it. Lots of fun cards, and uh, Carrie and I were talking earlier this week, and you were emptying out your trade binder for the Modern Masters stuff coming in. Yes, I finally um, got to selling most of my stuff online. I pieced apart all of the EDH decks I had up to this point, just because they were getting pretty um, tiring. Like, eventually, you get through the motions and you realize, like, the deck's not as fun as it used to be, so I've just entirely scrapped all my commander decks. Um, I ordered an entirely new one, and it's all foil, all promo. I'm ready to go all out. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Bring the bling to the it table. Is. Yeah, exactly. I figured if I'm going to pitch everything I have so far, I might as well use the funds to cover something else fun. There, there you go. Uh, next week is GP Orlando, which is Ether Revolt Sealed. Uh, I'll be there. I don't know if anyone else in the Magic Sphere is going to be there, aside from the coverage people, the pros, and all that other fun stuff. Uh, speaking of competitive play, there the BNR announcement was on Monday. Nothing changed. Nothing. Probably for the better. Probably for the probably for the better than for the worse. Depends. Uh, also this week we had uh, Vorthos Mike, aka Mike Lineman. Doing the uh, MTG Puppers uh, March Madness bracket. Um, they are in the middle of the third round today. They're going to do the fourth round tomorrow. And then I think there's only one more round after that. I'm not sure. Let me. The finals are on Saturday. Yeah. Finals on Saturday. There we go. So there will be fourth, fifth round, and then assumingly winners clash. Yep. Champions clash. <laughs> and, and they're all good doggos. And for what it's worth, Carrie, I voted for Cindy. Yeah, Cindy... Cindy put up a fair fight. Um, I didn't bother to go actually to my parents' house to take a new picture of her. So mm. maybe it was the expired photo that kind of kind of led to her downfall. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but if you like dogs and you like magic, go go follow Vorthos Mike. Oh, yes. and <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> plenty of good doggos. In any case, let's jump right in. Ether Revolt was our last little story segment, and Kaladesh ended with. Tezzeret taking essentially full control over the consulate, the inventor's fair, and all of the inventions, and sequestered all of the inventors inside kind of his big um, sanctum. I forget what they called yes. it. I don't know if everybody had a name. I don't know what they called it in the story. In any we'll case, call it a sanctum for right now. Yeah, in any right. case, they had the consulate crackdown, which was the first story card, and we get to the first story in the dead of night. Yeah. Um, so. We're picking up pretty much where the bright, happy set of Kaladesh left off, which was Tezzeret going from hedge, ju- hedge judge to um, tyrant. And we start off within the dead of night where Yeheni is continuing um, their life on Kaladesh, or what remains of it. Um, the party was canceled. Um, they meet up with their friend um, Nivid in the streets. Um, Nivid gets detained, <laughs> to put it appropriately, by the consulate officers. Um, Yeheni fights back and successfully kills them and drains their out of their essence. Um, and then following up from that, the draining ability is a rare one among the Aetherborn. And um, so some Aetherborn are kind of fixed lifetimes, and then some are able to extend their lifetimes by draining other people of their life essence. And so Yeheni gets a few extra days off of that. Um, how many did she get? 12 entire days. Yes. Yeah. And then we continue on. Um, Yeheni stops by Ganti, and then um, ships over to what ends up being the Gatewatch's hideout on Kaladesh during this time. And the Gatewatch is um, hiding out in a statue in the gardens, I believe. Yeah, there. It's it's a strange, <laughs> it's a strange place to be coming from. But where was the um, one line? 
there's something coming up the ladder that doesn't have a brain, which was <laughs> what Jace had sold with um, when Yehani was approaching their hideout. And there was a lot of talk among Vorsos groups, specifically in a Vorsos Discord that I'm a part of, about whether that was like something Jace should be aware of. Because he knows that most things have the consciousness, but like going specifically to having a brain is kind of a weird level. Yeah, um, I guess that would be kind of a biological point. Yeah, exactly. L- less than a telepathic one? Exists, like, you kind of figure telepathy is whatever sentience the character has. You're reading that mind. But that goes a little deeper, and um, they weren't sure if they liked the detail. I'm fine with it. You do whatever you do. And, I mean, if you um, think about it, the, the most of the, the characters that they're going to interact with have, you know, organic... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know if he's encountered any slime since, like, Agents of Artifice era, so... Or, like, yeah. sentient slime? Yeah, exactly. I, I doubt it was sentient <laughs> in that case, either. Um, but Yehenny's a murderer. That's the fun thing. But we all feel good, because it's justified murder, I guess. Yeah. Defense... Which I think yeah. is an interesting take on mono-black characters, because I know that several people who kind of keep up with the story are, are sick and tired of the, the the black trope of, oh, you know, I'm mono-black, I don't care, I can kill whoever whenever I like for whatever yeah. reason. Whereas Yahini kind of turns that on the, on its head. Yeah. This was a good block for that. We had white-blue um, antagonists and generally black-red protagonists. Um, Liliana didn't really as the Black Planeswalker um, represented in the set, well, not in the set, but in the story set of the set, um, she didn't really interact much outside of the beef with Tezzeret. She didn't interact too much in the Revolution, so it was interesting to see more of the Planebound characters um, take on it, because yeah. that kind of left it off from Liliana, who is one of those characters for the most part. Yeah, I don't think Liliana likes to take things lying down for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Moving on to quiet moments. So um, this one was really notable for Gideon having um, his internal struggle dealing with kind of forces of good in a world. Um, He knows that the consulate is a good government and that there are bad people within it. Um, He doesn't know whether acting out against the consulate is good. And so... Um, a lot of people brought into the character alignment in D&D, mm. where it's like lawful good, um, neutral good, chaotic good. And Gideon's pretty lawful good, um, but he ultimately decides not to um, stand up, or not, not to continue inactive in the face of the consulate um, being led by Tezzeret. Yeah, I, th- I did like the, the storytelling this from this story, because this one was by uh, Michael Yu Chow. Yes. Um, where it's just like, okay, quiet moment, quiet moment, up, oh, something happened, and then break into kind of another, just kind of sitting down and talking. and. Yeah. It was a very needed story, especially in these, like, really um, hectic conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then next one is Breakthrough by Kimberly Kranz. And so this is the one where Tezzeret has all of the inventors... Um, locked up in his workshop. Yeah. And it kind of harkens back to um, the novel Agents of Artifice. So what happened in the novel was Tezzeret had control over um, a interplanar criminal organization known as the Infinite Consortium. But during his control, he was generally a terrible, terrible person. Um, He tortured... Uh, most of the agents that worked for him, including planeswalkers like Jason Baltrice, and just a very, very difficult to please boss, and he has anger issues. Um, he's an abusive character. And so we see very, very um, vivid glimmers of that throughout this story, which was a appreciated continuation from um, Tezzeret's characterization in that novel. And Rashmi um, completes the portal, or completes the planar bridge. Kind of what we were expecting. Yeah. And is able to view countless other planes through it. She doesn't actually enter the bridge, but, um, yeah, she is able to view 
the multiverse through it and realizes that the phantom dimensions that they were relying on to exist um, for the bridge to work were actual um, worlds, actual entire worlds that are separated from Kaladesh. Yeah. Also, um, in the story, the uh, the thing that we were talking about is the Inquirium. Inquirium. And then um, Sahili successfully rescues... Well, Sahili picks her up after she's able to escape um, the Inquirium. And, um, yeah, welcome to the Renegade movement, my friend. Uh, was there any uh, speculation uh, when Rushmi saw kind of the the planes that she saw? Was there any kind of talk about which planes that she kind of oh, ran yeah. into? Um, people were digging in onto that. I have to actually bring up the segment to see where exactly she had seen yeah, I, I, I am currently looking that up as well. <laughs> yeah. And then she was moving, or at least surroundings were shifting. Um, there had been... She was looking out at a cityscape, only none of the buildings looked familiar, so Ravnica. Yeah. Um, and then she was in a forest or perhaps a jungle thick with vines and wide-leafed plants that seemed to complete um, compete with each other for dominion. There's a lot of planes with jungles. I'm not going to bother um she glimpsed a massive rock cut out into the shape of a diamond it hung in the air suspended as though gravity didn't apply zendikar yeah uh, then a wide open sky filled only with deep purple clouds and a mountain ridge capped in snow through which yellow flowers grew no idea i mean um could that be kamigawa I'm, I'm pretty sure people what's up could that be kamigawa only a deep purple cloud yeah i yeah i'm pretty sure okay um Images impressions really were coming faster now. One blended into the next. And, um, quiet hearths, vast deserts, bustling marketplaces filled with unfamiliar people and wares. The maw of a beast, a star-filled sky. So yeah. Possibly Theros. It it runs through a lot of features that are seen on a lot of planes outside of like the diamond hedron. Yeah. So. And she, and Rushby did not really kind of take all that information well. No. Um. um when, I don't know, this is another thing Tezzeret, um had issues with was, like, expectations when it comes to his employees. Yeah. Um, he was like, oh, yeah, you, well, you finally figured it out. Like, there are other worlds beyond this one. But he doesn't give a damn about the characters who are plane bound um, actually knowing that, or at least one character who is plane bound recognizing that fact. So, yeah. I mean, I, I imagine Tezzeret um, likes to kind of be in control of things and likes kind of lording over people. Yeah, um, and which... having that information over somebody is over somebody who is doing the important work for you is kind of yikes. Which I think <laughs> is an interesting dichotomy between his relationship with Nicol Bolas, uh, especially oh, yeah. after the events of Infinite Consortium and what other info we got from uh, Liliana and Jace, as well as the story with Tamio and Ajani. Yes. Um, yeah, Nicol Bolas is not a person you want to work for, but neither is Tezzeret. Like, I would probably work for Nicol Bolas before I'd work for Tezzeret, because Tezzeret is just plain crueler. Um, Nicol Bolas will, like, literally throw you out once you're done, like he did to Sarkin. So yeah, I kind of feel better about that than... Having the risk of Tezzeret after. At least with the giant dragon, you kind of know where you stand. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't have as many anger issues. We hope. We'll find out. We're about <laughs> to see him in time like that. Um, but moving on from Breakthrough, Revolution begins. Um, this was... Yeah. So, the short version of this is that the Renegades are trying to take over the Ether Hub. And... The Ether Hub controls the distribution of Ether within Kaladesh. Um, they successfully break in yeah. to Sram's place and are able to seize control of it um, and continue building a skyship that they are planning to use in their attack against Hazred yeah. and the consulate. And this was when um, we get the name the Heart of Kirin because apparently uh, they were naming it. They're going to name it Tezzeret's Ruin. And yes. then Rushmi did the the very heartwarming, um, what's the phrase for this send off? I believe, yeah. and then just dedicated it the heart of Kieran. Yeah, not naming it out of spite for Tezzeret, but out of love for Kieran. Yes. And that was a good moment. Um, I would not appreciate it 
um, ruining standard as much as I have, but you know, <laughs> that's how it's been. Sometimes the story cards need to be good. Sometimes they don't need yeah. to be too good. Yeah, and whether story cards have been pushed in recent sense is a um, whole other conversation that I'll eventually get to. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yes, they renamed the ship the Heart of Kirin and get ready to launch. Um, we move on to Burn, which was an interesting... Um, I mean, so Chris Latois, who uh, has written stories starting with Kaladesh Block, um, this is the first story to come with a content warning. Yeah. For the most part, um, most magic stories contain violence in some degree. I don't think as many of them are um, violent or as horrific outside of like um, Brissella and Shadows of Innistrad block. Well, I mean, the big thing is that this is a game about combat, and there's yeah, no exactly. kind of qualms most there. Most are expecting violence going into it. Not everybody is expecting um, suicidal discussion. Yeah. And so, her discussion of suicide. Also, can and we just so, talk for a bit how good of an of an author Chris Latois is? Yeah. Every single one of his stories has just been fantastic. Yeah, I have fanboy over him because it's difficult to um, get authors to reveal a lot of date and time information, and he takes it for granted. So, whenever we go into a story of his, I don't think there's one that has missed some kind of time reference or some kind of reference to an earlier um, novel or piece of work. And so it's appreciated. Um, it's for the heavily invested crowd who are tracking those pieces across different storylines. Mm -hmm. And so it's enjoyable. Um, and this is when Tezzeret shines as a villain, is him sending um, Baral, Chief of Compliance, after, I don't know if he actually has that title right now, um, Chief Inspector Brawl, as of that time. Um, he sends Chief Inspector Brawl to help distract the Gatewatch forces at the Aether Hub so that they can reclaim it. Yeah, and there's an excellent... And the, the story starts with uh, Dovin and Tezzeret kind of sharing barbs of kind of... You, hit, you have this blue-white planeswalker who, using D&D &D parlance, is very kind of neutral good. They just want to do yes. the best for the city, and that's yep. Dovin, with a very neutral to true to neutral evil character in Tezzeret of I just want to get things done I need yes. to do the things that are good for me yeah and he wants to achieve that um the best moment well one of the best moments well there are two shining moments for Bon in this story but um he asks what is the significance of the tattoos on your forehead and Tezzeret replies they are to remind me of a debt and then he said, I wonder, Bond, what flaws do you see when you look at me? Um, Dovin Bond's abilities are to seek flaws in people's plans, machines, anything. And um, Dovin Bond considered briefly on that matter, I think it prudent to keep my conclusions to myself. And Tezzeret laughs. <laughs> Says you're not stupid. That is um, how I'd expect something to go on between the two of them. And oh, it yeah. does. Um, and then we meet up with Chandra, who is having a touching moment with Gideon. Yeah. Um, they are discussing her home plane and all that's going on here. Um, and Nissa interrupts shortly. But the whole setup is for Brawl to be announcing Chandra in a challenge outside of the Aether Hub to lure her out. And it works. Um, he is able to get her outside of the Aether Hub and they're a whole chase scene, um, a whole chase scene later. Chandra and Nissa are encountering Brawl, and Chandra is ready to self-immolate in order to defeat Brawl once and for all. Which is a um, challenging move, to say the least. It's it is definitely... Difficult. It's difficult to deal with, because it shows you how much spite she has for um, all that Brawl has done taking away her father, nearly taking away her mother, but still torturing her in the time that she has been alive, and making her life more difficult when she was on Kaladesh just for her being a mage. Yeah. Um, she didn't really do that much damage, but he took a personal vendetta against it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, this kind of just like, piles on the whole thing of Chandra kind of 
you know, pun intended, being a hothead. Yes. Um, it is very easy to, you know, take the person who, as Mark Roser likes to say about Red, they feel their emotions very much to kind of just poke and prod. And it's really easy for someone like Baral to kind of know exactly what, the, what he needs to say to get Chandra to, you know, jump out, abandon the safety yeah. and security of kind of the renegade movement and try and to fight him one on one. And she's losing most control over um, what she is able to organize in her head. And so, um, thankfully, um, this ends well for Chandra. Or Chandra, she ends up um, being healed. What was it? No, she doesn't end up being healed. She ends up back with the gate watch. Um, I'm trying to organize my thoughts for a moment. <laughs> One second. Uh, I, the other thing that I remember about this was that I believe this was the second time Chandra, after attempting or after doing magic or attempting to do magic, had her legs give out. Yes. Because that and last time we saw that was uh, when she burninated Ulamog and Kozilek. Yeah, I mean, difficult task will do that to you. And um, sorry, one moment. Yeah, I can't stand up. She said her voice thready and hoarse from screaming my legs it's like zendikar then i'll carry you and nissa can carry anyone to be honest <laughs> she is a very strong elf um and then later on we have bon finally getting um his justice and taking in brawl um bon had forged the documents how many years ago to depict that or reflect that chandra kieran and um, Pia had died in the fire. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't the case. And once Bon has seen all of um, Burrell's encounters with Chandra, um, they are able to take him in <laughs> for, yeah. for everything that he has done. Um, and all mages are monsters, he whispered to the sky. <laughs> but what was it? The air floated out of him. That was it then. He lay back and looked toward, looked at the towering clouds. I won't forget this, Bon. And Bon replies, excellent. I do not care to repeat myself. Which, again... It's perfect, uh, Bon. Yes, neutral, good. And so, um, later on, Gideon, Chandra, Pia, all recovering from the battle. And we get a little glimmer of the romance that is happening between the three, or between the two of them. I have to find the exact word, sorry. Between uh, Chandra and Nyssa or Chandra and Gideon? Because... Chandra and Gideon. Because wow. I know that that's a, a point of contention for some people, because I know that there are a lot of people who are on the uh, the Gruel Friends ship train between yes. Chandra and Nyssa. Yeah, and but... either way, either way it'll end up well, but I'm always rooting for Chandra and Nyssa. Um, <laughs> I screwed up, she whispered, I always do. She's mad and she's got every right... I'm the worst kids. I don't know why you're even holding me off the floor. And it says three unfair, uncertain, unforgivable words resonated in Gideon's mind. Words that once loose couldn't be taken back. Um, <laughs> talk to her, he said instead. Yeah. And that's good. Um, developing the relationship between the two planeswalkers. I don't know if I exactly like the potential of Chandra Gideon. Uh, mostly because it's hinted even further and further or it's pushed even further and further away throughout the stories but it's still a point that's worth mentioning from the story oh yeah and then the next one in the lineup is the skies over Girapur. which is the only story that prominently features jace yes um <laughs> jace has kind of been afk for most of the and frankly i do not believe that he was necessary to bring along on kaladesh but it helps with um, Tezzeret. For I think it helps part. with the... Well, A, Tezzeret kind of being involved in Kaladesh urges yeah. Jace to be there. And I also think it helps the narrative of you mess with one of the Gatewatch, you mess with us all kind of deal. Yes. Um, some people have... I don't know. It's kind of a split between the community is um, whether every single character from the Gatewatch should come along on every single mission. Because obviously they need the firepower there, especially when they're going up against... Um, people that they don't exactly want to go up against alone. Well, I think uh, that... The Eldrazi Titans were worth going up against in a group. Tezzeret was worth going up against in a group only because it brought along people who had the context for how cruel Tezzeret can be. And then Nicol Bolas. Yeah. Um, 
has but this a three is, out of five hit. This is also the second block with the Gatewatch, and I know there's been a lot of kind of um, dissent between whether the Gatewatch is good or bad for the magic story. Yes. Kind of similar to how Jace, whether Jace is actually even a good character or not, you know, that's up for debate as well. Um, but I think that we're still kind of in the part where everyone needs to show up, and then yeah. maybe when, when we get to the block after Amonkhet, we'll start seeing more isolated stories of, say, you know, like Jason Gideon have to go deal with a thing, and then Liliana yes. and Nissa have to go deal with a thing. Yeah, once the group dynamics are explored, it'll be easier to um, fill in the interpersonal relationships between the characters as they're needed. I don't expect every single story to be, like exactly planeswalker level villains they that's kind of the rule of the gatewatch is they're only supposed to be dealing with planeswalker level villains but there are a lot of loose ends that need to be um cleared up with certain characters like gideon where he still has um a home that he doesn't exactly appreciate on theros but he still has loose story ends that are connecting him to that place and none of that really relates interplanar on theros it relates to the god Heliod. So it becomes more difficult to figure out what the Gatewatch should be dealing with and what will become side spinoff episodes for (laughs) the Gatewatch. Right. Um, But... And the best way to sum this story up is Illusionist Stratagem. Yeah. They need to attack Tezzeret, and they're successful in that. Kirizev is an awesome skyship pirate. Yeah. Yep. Kerizev was a fantastic character in the story, kind of to to counterplay against Jace. Yes. Um, Jace does his fair share with illusions, but yeah, um, not extremely necessary in the block, but happy to have him here. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on, breaking points, which is <sighs> heavy. Um, yes. What exactly is... Um, happening they need to pilot the ship which is the hope of gear four into the planar bridge with a bomb (laughs) yes with a bomb attached um unfortunately that doesn't work out as planned and dovin bond is able to meddle around in there before very very quickly planes walking away oh yeah that is something you walk into knowing that you're going to be found out and already having the mana and concentration at hand to be able to planeswalk out of there. And so Chandra attacks him within the Hope of Girapur, um and does some damage to it, in, in addition to Bond's damage. And the ultimate end result is that it cannot fly um, at this point with the modules intact. So Chandra and Gideon um, load themselves in there. Initially, it's going to be just Chandra, and she is going to do self-immolation to um, be able to destroy the bridge. Yeah. But Gideon, again, steps in and says, like, hey, I can protect you, or try to. He's going with her, um, and there's some very, very good unreleased art from this that would go into, I believe, what is the next story. Right. Um, the big thing that I wanted to hit on with Gideon there is that I think Gideon, Gideon's plane or planeswalker spark ignited when he and his friends tried to deal with Erebos and they all died. Yes. And I think, and there's always, and there's been a few moments in other Gideon stories where he's just referenced back to them. Yeah. And I think this is a big moment with where Gideon's like, I don't want to see another one of my friends die yeah. for no reason. He was the leader of a group. Um, they attacked Erebos's Titan, beat the Titan. He threw um, his prize from Heliod, which was a sphere in the likeness of um, Heliod's own sphere, at Erebos to try to kill the god. Um, Erebos just whips it right back at him, kills all of his friends. He is able to survive it because he can turn indestructible at will, but his friends are not able to, and he wasn't able to protect them. So it's strange seeing um, what we'll see in puppets, which is Gideon's ability being applied to somebody else yeah. within his range. Um, it kind of moves him from a indestructible tank to more protectorship role yeah. than anything. Um, what, how many people he's able to encompass this, I don't, I doubt he was able to fully protect four people in that case, but it is an interesting development of his ability. Yeah. 
And then Puppets um, was written by James Wyatt, who's also been doing fantastic work. Um, yes. And he's the main Liliana author, correct me if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yes, he is. Um, he started off with Origins, or he didn't start off in Origins, but he did start off the stories for Liliana within Magic Origins um, with hers, which was the fourth pact. And yeah, she has some history with Tazeret coming into this and really, really wants to kill Tazeret at the start of this. Um, the prior context to this is that Tezzeret was what was in the way of her gaining access to the Infinite Consortium. If she had gained access to the Infinite Consortium, then she would be able to get out of her demonic deals via Nicobolas. Because Nicobolas wanted the Consortium back, he could or she could have traded him um, one for one and gotten out of most of her deals. Or that was the understanding at the time. Right. And so... She's got some bitter feelings towards Tezzeret. He was also not the best boss. Um, and also, what I choose to believe is that she has some making up to do to Jace, because Jace was... She had manipulated him into trying to regain control of the Infinite Consortium so that she could eventually return it to Nicol Bolas or have them work as pawns under Bolas. And right. Jace found out about that and was very upset about it. So now, if she can tie up that loose end, then maybe it makes them even to some regard. It's not repairing their friendship or their relationship. It is simply a sign of saying, like, hey, I did this, um, so now you never have to worry about this horrible person ever again. Yeah, and I think that kind of shows Liliana's age being a, you know, 200-year-old human. Yes. She doesn't Uh, exactly, I guess consider friendships in the same respect that someone like a Gideon or a Chandra would. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of what I would like to see more of, is just like, hey, just getting even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like Jace was never fully um, apologized to for that whole event, and while she's able to say, like, she feels about him as she feels about, like, a dog when it would die um, during Shadows of her Innistrad block, I don't feel like that's the full regard and she's still a mono black character who can care about people who are um close to her right but um yeah so she digs into um Tezzeret's plans finds him standing in front of the planar bridge putting something into his own flesh and then um or his ethereum arm mm-hmm. what was left of it and um she attacks him within there he is able to block it off using um, improvise counter spell, but he actually does use that counter spell. By the it's way, it's true. I do like it when the 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 uh, planeswalkers actually do the story cards. It's like that time in the movie where someone says the movie title. It's like, oh, they they said the thing. They did the they thing. The it's, it's over. But, um, yeah. So um, she figures out that he's working for Bolas after um, quite a while, and she had an interesting line where she was um, she figures out that he has on Amikat. It reveals that Razakath is the demon that she is planning to confront on um, Amenkat eventually, but that, that plan gets advanced once she figures out that he's working for Bolas and Bolas is an Amenkat. Mm-hmm. And then Chandra and Gideon break through and there is the art. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't really have control about when they broke through because they yeah, are kind of in the middle of a... <laughs> yeah, you're just... They're literally a human her. bullet. You're ready to be sacrificed so that somebody can't cast spells for that turn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they bust through. Tezzeret's not seen in the wreckage, but we continue on and see the art for Dark Intimations. Yep. Um, showing Tezzeret between what remains of the bridge, mm-hmm. um, but on an unknown plane. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and then we move on finally to renewal. Yeah, and this is the one that kind of tied all, or not all, but most of the loose ends together. We got Ajani saying his oath to to officially join the Gate Watch, and we see the Gate Watch ignore his advice and decide to go to Amica anyways. Yeah, and we just catch up with stories individually. We get Pia, we get Yehani, um, we get Sumbral. Um, Pia becomes or replaces Kambal as the um, Council of Allocation 
So now she gets to decide how Aether is accessed with an Aether is accessed inside of Kaladesh. And Ajani takes his oath. Um, it's a lot, but the noticeable or notable omission from the story was found in Art of Magic the Gathering, Kaladesh book, ah. and also the Player's Guide. But it is that they decide to ultimately um, rendezvous on the plane of Dominaria once they've recruited enough forces, once Ajani has recruited enough Planeswalker forces that he feels able to um, defeat Bolas, or take right. on Bolas on Amonkhet. Regardless, they go towards Amonkhet anyways, as we find out. And, yeah, it's the nice tie-up to a story. Yeah. Um, so, we've, the past few weeks we haven't had a story, and they're picking up with Amonkhet stories next week or the week after? Um, the following week. We have one more week of the Magic Story podcast um, featuring Mark Winters, and then the week after um, right. starts the Amonkhet story. So, kind of, we, we have, we've had a little bit to kind of cool on the the story for Ether Revolt. Um yeah. And kind of what are your, your broad strokes on how Aether Revolt ended and how the Kaladesh block story ended? How Aether Revolt ended was satisfying. <laughs> um, finding out that the government has been restored was a happy point. The renewal story specifically having the full end of block tie-up um, was appreciated. It is something that really hasn't been done before and I would like to see it continue going forward but we'll find out. It played especially well here but that was also due to the fact that most of the Kaladesh block stories had some um, tangential tie even to the conflict that was going on within the Gatewatch or with the Gatewatch and that is partially due to the nature of the Kaladesh block. We went into the block knowing that it was going to be Chandra's story um that she was going to find her mom um, and that that was going to be the centerpiece of the story and that everything would revolve around that. I don't think that applies to every single block structure, so we got a little more Gatewatch focus than um, we have in past blocks, especially um, Shadows of Innistrad block and Battle for Zendikar block, but it's a pendulum. It's going yeah. to swing towards focusing on the Gatewatch or away from focusing on the Gatewatch, depending on what kind of story they want to tell. Yeah. With Amonkhet, there's a lot of potential for Gatewatch versus Bolas dynamics, but at the same time, she's Liliana still has to deal with <clears throat> a demon on the plane, and there are plenty of opportunities for plane-bound stories. Right. So we've but, only seen a little bit of Ajani interacting with the Gatewatch as a member of the Gatewatch. Yes. Kind of, where do you think Ajani's going to fit into the Gatewatch? Because we've got Gideon, who's kind of the go-getter. We've got Jace, who's the planner. Liliana, who... she Well, Chandra's the firepower, but I would argue Liliana's also pretty powerful in that regard. And this is just trying to keep everything together. Where does Ajani kind of fit in that dynamic? Cleric? Um, <laughs> that, I mean, that was his original concepted role during Shards of Alara block, was that he was going to be a cleric. He was going to buff he was going to heal and it's difficult um, for players to see that on the cards because people kind of have a disconnect between seeing like cleric and seeing like put plus one plus one counters on each creature you control or gain 100 life gain 200 <laughs> life i believe was the card and so it's a strange character to build as a planeswalker but he is a cleric um, yeah. for all intents and purposes but he is also their connection to a world that is outside of the Gatewatch. Um, you have the stories of Elspeth Tyrell. You have the stories of not so much Sarkin, but um, Tezzeret and the like that are tangentially tied to um, Ajani through Elspeth. You have stuff like Koth um, uh, fighting on New Phyrexia that can be eventually tied in through Ajani but also has the potential to be tied in through Karn. Um, we don't know the full extent to what Elspeth revealed to Ajani um, during their time together, so it's difficult to say, like, there are solid ties that are going to happen. Ajani's going to get the Gatewatch to help on new Phyraxia, etc. It's really difficult to say, but he is a nice connection to have to um, an Alara era of Planeswalkers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Ajani also adds another strong tie to Theros, which might kick Gideon in the in the butt to yes. try to send him home and try to deal Ajani with. Ajani does not have fond feelings for Theros and its gods. No, nope. and neither does Gideon, for that matter. No, they um, do not. Gideon has worked for um, an interplanar order that was kind of White's um, take on oppressive government that wasn't the consulate. So it was a organization called the Order of Heliod, and it was found by a figure on um, the plane of Urgatha called Heliod, spelled H-E-L-I-U-D. Eerily Which, similar. Could just be a coincidence, though. It um, also that's also the, the opens the story of maybe Heliod was a planeswalker who went to Theros, yes. who became a god, and then yeah. And we've seen planeswalkers become gods. We've seen ideas become gods. It's not impossible for either of those two have taken place and launched or ascended um, Heliod in some form or another into Nyx. But there's a lot of story potential there, and Gideon doesn't feel um, too fondly of Theros as is. He still has some unresolved, um, conflicted feelings towards it. (laughs) And Ajani saw his friend murdered by a god yeah. um, who had entrusted her to take care of another god or kill another god. Now, now I so, just see kind of Ajani and Gideon sitting kind of in like a like a bar somewhere. It's like, gods, man, gods. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, I, it's, it's not a fun thing to deal with. And it was partially Gideon's um, naiveness or hubris kind of taking on Erebos. Um, yeah when he wasn't prepared to. But, yeah, we'll see the full story of that play out, hopefully sometime soon on a return, yeah. um, in some fashion or another. But, yeah, Ajani's a strange character. For the <laughs> most part, through most of his um, planeswalker life, he has been buddy-buddy with Elspeth. So detaching him from Elspeth um, by very cruel means has left him... Um, Organizing with a group who immediately trumps his ideas as soon as they're suggested. That's <laughs> kind, but... He doesn't know that, but... Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, he... I can't wait for the scolding. Of it. This yeah. is going to be this 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 episode, or the ep- an episode of just Johnny just scolding them. He's like, what did I tell you? Don't do that. What are you yeah. doing? And people want the Gatewatch to be um, more planned and thought out than they are. But at the same time, the Gatewatch is coming off of two to three victories throughout these blocks, and they're running hot. They want to take on um, Nicobos while they still have the energy to, but little do they know, he's still Nicobos. Like, he's still going to be five steps ahead in any case. So th- so speaking of Nicobolas, we've got Amonkhet coming up. We know precious little about Amonkhet. Aside from the fact that it's an Egyptian-themed plane, we've yeah. seen key art featuring Gideon, Liliana, and Nyssa, and we've seen art for what we are assuming are god cards for yes. Amonkhet. So one of the original themes going into the Theros block was trying to make the god's realm unique. And so um, inside R&D, Theros Part 1, they were talking about what they wanted to do for the god cards. And the ultimate resolution was that they would make them indestructible enchantments. But for a while, they had a zone called, like, Nyx, and it was an entirely separate zone. It wasn't the command zone. And your god could come down from Nyx and battle for you and then go up to Nyx when you didn't have devotion. And it was really complicated. And the... The happy medium with that was making them enchantments, making their magic enchantments, making them enchantment gods um, that would become creatures um, as needed. And so enchantments became the god realm of Theros. Um, What that means is that it's kind of uniquely tied to Theros. We're probably not seeing enchantment god creature cards um, going into Amonkhet. If anything, they look pretty constructy. Like, (laughs) You do not see an identifying face figure. Um, I mean, they look like Egyptian gods. Figure. Yeah, exactly. You don't see an identifying organic face figure on any of the gods. You don't know that they're real people under there. Um, you don't know what they are. You can kind of assume what they are, 
but yeah, we'll find out because they don't have the kind of humanness that we expected from most of the Theros gods. You kind of assume them to be like fickle leaders who are trying to manipulate fates on the plane, but these ones just don't seem to, they seem to be in roles rather than actual humans. And so we'll find out, or actual characters, and so we'll find out what exactly they are. Well, I mean, that's also a big thing with Greek mythology, where they really tried to humanize most of their deities. Yeah. And so magic pulled a similar trait with, you know, the Theros gods, being yeah. able to have kind of these human ideas and human emotions, even yeah. if they were, you know, deified. Yeah, and they had beefs with each other. They were in a high enough count that they could have beefs with each other, because when you have, like, Heliod hating Perforos and Crufix detaining Perforos and, like, all these kind of small interactions that are happening, it's fun to keep track of. With only five gods, or the five gods that have been revealed so far, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to have the same kind of um, conflicts that were shown during Theros block. And an interesting part of that we'll see is how they each relate to Nicobos, who Liliana believes to have created the plane, and how they relate to the trials of the five gods, and whether they're real things, whether they're real gods yeah. in that matter. Because we have seen gods depicted in plenty of ways over magic, but the most recent depiction was the enchantment creature cards, so most people believe these will be enchantment creature cards. Yeah, Mark Rose already said on Blogatog before that just because they did the gods like that for Theros, they're not kind of tied to needing to represent yeah. gods in that same way in the future. They'll definitely be god cards with a god creature type, but I don't know to what extent they'll be um, beyond the mortal realm, yeah. because I feel like they're going to be on the mortal realm, and they're going to be Somehow pawns of Bolas because it is his plane after all. Yeah. Um, so yeah. with Amonkhet, Liliana believes that Nicobolus made it. This is the third instance of a of a planeswalker made plane that I can recall off the top of my head. The other two being Sarah's Sanctum, yes, which was made by the planeswalker Sarah, and Argentum, aka Mirrodin, aka Phyrexia. Yes. Are there um, any that I'm missing? I'm trying to think. Those it's... are the big three. I believe original Phyrexia was created by a planeswalker. Um, Wasn't that on Wrath? Was Wrath created by a planeswalker? Yeah, Wrath was... Well, no, because Wrath was made of flowstone. Um, I don't believe it was actually created by an individual planeswalker. I thought it was created by the forces of Phyrexia. I don't know too much pre-mending. <laughs> but my understanding that was um, Phyrexia was created by... Uh, planeswalker who preferred the form of a dragon if i'm recalling that correctly hmm. but everyone go google phyrexia <laughs> origin story <laughs> so in any case the point being this is a plane made by made by a planeswalker yes um Another plane made by planeswalker. how much of nicobolus's influence would be seen on the plane like there have been some people who's who speculated that you know maybe blue red and black mana is just more prevalent here and bl white and green mana is just kind of thrown to the wayside or anything like that do we have yep. any in inkling of what that might mean for the gatewatch i mean the full the full context of it is that it is a setting in the game of magic and that all five colors are required yes. even if my dream plane would be like totally blue, white, black, or whatever it would be. Um, it doesn't mean that I can sustain a plane with only those three colors um, and expect it to be visited by Magic the Gathering the game. Right. Um, it's difficult to um, say whether those colors will have a bias, since I know that like they actively try to avoid having blocks skew or sets skew towards a certain color. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, whether it actually plays out in the story would be interesting. The Trial of the Five Gods kind of shows that there are going to be, yeah. for the most part, five different deities who are going to be representing at least one color each. Yeah, so there's we've going seen... to be some kind of appreciation for each of the colors, but what that means for the people who pass the test, which are referred to as the worthy, um, is going to be interesting, because those could theoretically be five-color characters um, who have passed the test, or they could be characters who are, like, competent enough in white magic, but otherwise wouldn't care for it. And we've seen the pictures of the gods. We have a cat deity, a uh, ibis deity, a jackal, 
uh, Crocodile and Snake. Um, presumably people are assuming that they kind of go in order of what monocolor god they are. Um, yeah. Do you kind of ascribe to that same logic? Yeah, for the most part, um, Cat Deity is going to be white. Bird Deity is going to be blue. I mean, Bird, de- bird Deity is like definitely <laughs> blue. Um, and that means my favorite archetype will return, which is um, forcing blue-white flyers. <laughs> Works every um, time. Yeah. The Doge Deity, red. Gator Deity, black. Um, and the remaining one, green. Snake. Yeah. Snack. Um, it's strange to have them locked into a single color, but at the same time, mm, I, I like mean, my single color gods. I like the potential of single color gods over having um, enemy allied or charter wedge colored gods as well. Yeah, because the other speculation is that some maybe their their tricolored gods and Amakit's actually a gold set, um, which I don't know if would happen. Masters, like I'm yeah. prepping to force blue white X regardless, but. <laughs> Um, I'll figure out, I mean, we'll figure out eventually what, um, color alignment they, um, fall into. But for the most part, yeah, these are the five gods that are going to be, um, the said trials are set after. And then worthy are the people who have gone through the trials. It's difficult to say, because, like, the white god definitely has zombies behind her. The black god, um, definitely had what's remaining of corpses and yeah. it's, it's strange to see um zombies going into what we assume to be the white role but i mean are we are we assuming that mummies are going to be creature type zombie yes yeah. um i believe that was confirmed um on the daily magic update at some point okay but yeah mummies for the most part would be probably zombie to some extent and there might be variation within that zombie type across the set whether black zombies are like unwrapped mummies white zombies are wrapped mummies etc but an interesting idea that's been thrown around by i know um jay who writes for magic the gathering salvation um was the idea that the worthy are the ones who pass the trial of the five gods and everybody else is mummies like (laughs) you are either human or you are either a denizen of the plane a failed person who went through the trials who is a zombie to some extent or a worthy who would assumingly be somebody nicole Bolas would hold in high regard on his plane that sounds very dark soulsy yeah exactly it sounds <laughs> it's a very very life or death challenge yeah. and the potential um for this kind of speculation is that nicole Bolas is fresh off of sending tezzeret to go to kaladesh and start trying to fund planar portal technology and now that they have a planar portal operational through the means of Tezzeret who was able to implant it within himself making himself a planar bridge means that theoretically Tezzeret could take non-planes walkers across planes mm. and so Tezzeret like hand shipping your worthy army across planes would be pretty handy like it certainly would he doesn't he doesn't have to rely on a network of planeswalkers that can eventually betray him. If somebody wants to betray him, then they simply don't get to go to the next plane with him. Like, <laughs> they, their ticket is only through Tezzeret, so as long as Tezzeret's loyalty to Bolas remains, they would have to um, continue to abide by his rules. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a lot of speculation, <laughs> so we'll find out exactly what's happening there. And then kind of the last note is people are... Sp- thinking Liliana has history with Nicobolus. The art we have with Liliana looks her looking very cush and cushy yes. sitting in an Amonkhet store in an Amonkhet little uh, little day spa. Is this the point so soon after the Gatewatch has been founded that Liliana is going to betray them? It's an interesting potential to have. Um, and I'm going to pull up the exact quote that I like to reference, but you have like the kind of hinted betrayal storyline told through stuff like um, Emmerichel playing the game of chess, where she is able to have somebody stab um, what I believe is the other what I believe is Jace's king during the match, mm-hmm. and she's like it doesn't matter what's happening like I control all the pieces, and so obviously there are hints that one of them is going to betray um, the Gatewatch within that time so it's difficult to um, say who it will be, 
because it's obviously not going to be Gideon. Kid's too good. Um, <laughs> probably won't be Jace. Probably won't be Chandra off of her own block. But Nissa has a detachment from emotion that would leave her vulnerable to any kind of coercion, um, possibly made by Bolas and not having experience with Bolas herself. Maybe she doesn't know better. And Liliana obviously has the um, potential. Right. Just being a black line character, if she wants to get out of her deals and he offers a way to get out of her deals, then she can take that offer. But what happened at the end of Agents of Artifice was Bolas was not given the um, infinite consortium. Liliana was not able to secure it. The knowledge required to run the consortium was lost along with Tezzeret when Jace came and mind wiped him. Right. And so um, what Bolas suggests is that Liliana works for him instead as like a personal agent and then he can get her out of the packs. And if you swear allegiance to me, a planeswalker and that promancer of your power might prove useful indeed, and I would, of course, seek to protect my investment. And Liliana's face went red, her eyes jet black, you'd have me trade one master for another. Why, yes, I suppose I would. Go find your own personal hell dragon. <laughs> so she is not being kind to him in that regard. But Bolas retorts with, I've got a rather nice one here on Grixis, I should say. When you, come, when you come up with a better trade, be certain to let me know. You're always welcome here, my dear Bess. Jeez. Say you run through um, Gatewatch going to Amonkhet, and they get close to defeating Bolas. Having Liliana be tempted by getting out of her deals um, in the name of giving up the Gatewatch's strategy for defeating and giving up the Gatewatch's victory on the plane leading to Hour of Devastation would be quite the twist. Um, she needs a way out of those deals eventually, and Jace swore at the end of Agents of Artifice to help her get out of them, but in addition to like the Gatewatch efforts, she hasn't really made much progress on that ground. Right. So it's going to be quite the challenge. She's only been a part of the Gatewatch for yeah, maybe, months. what, four months is yeah. the timeline right now? Yeah, you're getting from Shadows of Renestra, or the end of Eldritch Moon, to Kaladesh, and then the events of Kaladesh. Right. And not many people there trust her, um, <laughs> as is. I think they're all kind of expecting the betrayal. But, yeah, I mean, the my dream ending for Amonkhet, it goes like, everything goes well for Bolas, everything goes disastrously for the Gatewatch. The Gatewatch try to save the plane, um, but Bolas is uncaring um he has built this plane he is willing to give up the world if it means like distracting the Gatewatch a little while longer and is able to take the worthy to another plane via tazaret yeah i would imagine that nokobolus would um, gladly give up a plane just to consolidate his own power it does not sound very promising for a plane the strange thing is is that magic doesn't really destroy planes all that often they go through a lot of transformations but um Dominaria still lives, New Phyrexia still lives in some form or another, and Amonkhet, like, when you go back to a plane with high fan investment, it's difficult to just dash that all away, being like, hey, we returned, and now it's gone. Like, we just <laughs> destroyed the plane. So I guess Amonkhet going into it, they could lead off with, like, you won't be along around here for long, but um, it's going to be strange because i expect hour of devastation to mean literal devastation and the plane right um, being sent to ruin but that also doesn't bode well for plane bound characters who will die in the process because, not at all yeah people get very very attached to plane bound characters people get attached to planeswalkers people get attached to the settings it's difficult to say goodbye to any one of those but maybe wizards prepares in a, in a different way this time to even through revealing the set name as Hour of Devastation, um, prepares us for saying goodbye early. Yeah. I mean, they're willing to kill Venser and kill, in heavy quotes, <laughs> Elspeth. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're willing to kill a plane, just like, here it is, and it's gone. Yeah. it's It would up the difficult. stakes tremendously. Yes. Um, but the fact that it's Bolas's plane, and that, assumingly, he wouldn't care for it while the Gatewatch would be struggling to save it, is an interesting dynamic because, I mean, it's made by a bad person, but 
it's certainly probably got some good people living on it. So, right. Yeah. We'll, well find out the full extent. I think that's going to do it for us. That was very illuminating, and thank you again, Carrie, for coming on. Yes, thank you very, very much for having me and allowing me to ramble a bit. Rambling is always appreciated here. So, Carrie, if people wanted to find you and find your or find your articles on the social media or the websites, where can they do so? Um, everything should be linked up through my Twitter, which is simply at Vronos, at V-R-O-N-O-S. And I'm active on there. I'll say hi, and I'll say hi back. <laughs> that's, that's the easiest way to contact me because I'm always on there. Awesome, awesome. Uh, if you want to find Ian, he is on Twitter at DixonIJ. He's also on Twitch at, D, at Dix, D-I-X. Uh, again, he's off doing work stuff for now. I'm sure he'll he'll be back next week, I believe. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at JWiley129 and on Twitch by the same handle. Don't hesitate to say hi if you see me trolling around any any of the MTG chats. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so at Eyes in the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, shoot us an email at eyesinthemize at gmail.com. Once again, thanks to Carrie for joining us this week. Yes, thank, thank you me. all for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.